Well, we are going to be continuing now with our sermon series. So if you've been tracking with us for the last three or four weeks, you'll know that we are looking at the book of James. Uh, We're doing a series called B. Uh, So do grab your Bibles, open them up. Simon is going to be coming and speaking to us. Uh, So let's hear it for Simon. Fantastic. Thanks, Phil. So I spoke... Um, in the morning, um, the morning service, and in the morning service, they were very, you know, very encouraging, and um, you know, I got a few laughs, I got a few like, you know, amens. But now I'm with my 6 p.m. crew, so this is my, you know, this is my my service, my my people. So I want to, I want to get some encouragement. Sam's been trying to get this going as well um, in his talks, because you get more out of people speaking when you encourage them. Maybe you don't when you uh, tell them to encourage you, but I, I don't know, but. Um, there you go. And so we're continuing um, in our sermon series called B. Um, it's all about not merely hearing the word, um, but becoming the word, doing something about it, practical. Um, I'm Simon. Um, I'm married to Ali. We live in a church house opposite, so we're on site during the week. We're um, site pastors here, so we're um, kind of part of the, the church team. Um, if you're ever here during the week, come and find us. We'd love to um, say hello. And it was great um, earlier today um, having the newcomers lunch um, and having people in, in church house and being able to host people and meet people. Um, so if you're new um, and you missed out on that, there'll be more. But um, uh, it's really good to have you here uh, this evening. Um, you've dropped into this uh, series, and I'm going to crack on. Sorry, right. you know when you read something and then you think, oh, I've, I've said that already. That's what just happened, so don't worry. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly being told, um, perhaps more so this week, because I've had a little bit of a cold and my nose has been a little bit blocked. Um, I think I'm better now. Hopefully you can hear me. Um, but when you're feeling a little bit ill like that, you kind of remember all the time somebody has told you, um, Simon, you need to eat well, you need to exercise, you need to you know, go to the gym, you need to rest and sleep, you need to um, get outside, um, all these kind of things. And I know that I should. I know that I should go to the gym, I know I should eat well, and I know the reasons behind that. I know I'll be healthier in my body. But it's all too easy, isn't it, to think of reasons not to. Oh, I'm I'm too tired. I'm too tired this morning. I can't possibly go to the gym. And Ali's giving me the elbow. No, 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 you said you'd go to the gym. Ah, no, I'm too tired this morning. Or, oh, no, I'm not going to make a healthy dinner. I'm just going to grab a burger because that's a bit easier today. Um, You know, I make a choice all the time in those things, even though I know what will make my body healthier. And that's the worst bit. I'm choo- what I'm choosing makes my body broken. It's not the best it can be. It makes my mind fuzzy. I wake up bleary-eyed and tired, not ready for the day. James is great because he cuts right through our excuses. James is all about getting in our business and challenging how we live. It's getting up in your grill and he's saying, Simon, it's not a McFlurry a day that keeps the doctor away. <laughs> so we've been exploring James's great teaching over the last few weeks, and James has been challenging us to hear what God says and to do something. To not help people because they think they'll be able to help us, but help people that can't help us. That our faith, without any working of that faith, is dead. You know, it needs practical outwork um, for it to be a thing. You know, our faith is pointless unless it has an action. And last week, Sam shared with us about our words, our words that matter because they reveal our heart. James 
is all about the next step here. He's all about getting us not to do the basics, but doing more, jumping up a gear, leveling up to reach a higher standard. A little bit about James. We've covered it in our, as through this series, but if you haven't heard much of it, you know, James was Jesus' brother. And for a time, he led the church in Jerusalem, made up primarily of Jews, people that knew God and knew God's word. These new Christians who had come from this Jewish background, you know, if, you were, if you were Jewish in first century Jerusalem, you, know, you would know the Bible well from the age of naught to 12 at least. You would be studying. You would know the first five books of the Bible off by heart. And at 12, you know, if you weren't so spiritually um, minded and they didn't think you know, that was the right path for you, you would then go off into your trade. Maybe you were a fisherman, maybe you were um, a craftsman or a carpenter. But you would go into those trades knowing God's word. But it's not just enough to know the word. We have to do something about it. So James knows about people like us who might know God's word. James isn't teaching them um, new theology. So this isn't necessarily about trying to speak to people that don't know about Jesus or people that are new Christians. They know God, but James wants them to do something more. He wants them to be different and obviously set apart from everybody else. He wants them to be whole and distinctive, full of God, filled up with God and different because of it. James's book is written as a, um, a series of kind of these short uh, wisdom speeches or like blog posts. He just sort of chucks out a little gem of wisdom. Um, and they're always like, you know, summed up with this amazing one-liner. Um, and some of this stuff I'm going to read today, you'll, you know, you've probably heard before. Um, you know, James was basically this perfectly formed viral speaker delivering this knockout TED talk. So my job's quite easy. I just have to read what he says. <laughs> James calls us to be completely and wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. We're called to be recognizably different from everyone else. So there's three parts here, loads to talk about. Um, let's just uh, pray as I, as I begin reading. Lord God, help us to um, hear what you have for us today, Lord. May your... Uh, your word that we read and the words from my mouth be um, all from you, all from heaven, Lord. May you shine a light on the parts of our lives um, that we need to um, have lit up this evening. Amen. So we're looking at James 3, verse 13 onwards, um, <clears throat> which is on 1149 if you've got a church Bible. And it starts like this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. From where you have, uh, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? 
Do they come from your desires? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own, uh, get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture said, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Whoa. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a big passage, loads to unpack. Um, and you're probably thinking, gosh, he, that, what he said there was, uh, mm, I'm not sure how I think about that. I really hope that guy who's talking, I, think he, um, I hope he unpacks it and actually understand, you know, we actually understand that. Because some of the stuff that James says is quite inflammatory. But that's the point. That's what we're going to get to. And it breaks down to three parts. There's this wisdom that comes from heaven. There's our heart's desires. And there's judging others. James starts talking about wisdom, both worldly that we should avoid and heavenly which we should embrace. Heavenly wisdom is what God values. So, you know, we have knowledge we have so much knowledge. You know, they always say, um, you know, we've got uh, more computational power in our devices now than they had to land a man on the moon. You know, with this um, tablet, I can go on Wikipedia, I could download the whole Wikipedia. Can you do that? I don't know if you can. You know, but do you know what I mean? I have access to all this information. If I printed it all out, I'd have more information and knowledge than what the market library, right? But that's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is how we apply that knowledge to life. It's practical. It's an action. And distinctive wisdom comes in the form of peaceful work. You know, um, this wisdom is peaceful. So how do we know that we've got heavenly wisdom? It comes from exactly what James says here, that this wisdom is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. How can we be peaceful in that work situation? And if we are peaceful in that work situation where we want to be angry at that co-worker who did that thing to us, by being peaceful, that will mark us as being distinctive, different to how other people react. And he continues talking about what are the desires of our heart, what makes us, um, you know, what makes us whole is what we, um, you know, the, what we kind of fill ourselves with. You know, do we fill ourselves with more of the world or with more of God? 
You know, we want our relationships to fulfill us. Um, and when they don't, you know, when our boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, you know, they don't do that thing that, that you want them to do. They're not their relationship's not fulfilling. You know, we realize there's a hole that's left there because those relationships are not meant to be the thing that fulfills us, that sustains us. You know, we want our jobs to fulfill us or our education to fulfill us. We think those are the things that are going to be the thing that is what life is about. But God calls us to humble ourselves and he will lift us up. And finally, in judging others, you know, we talked last week about um, you know, using the tongue, using our words. How quick are we to, to judge other people? How can we be distinctive in that? Not judging people, not jumping straight to that, but actually holding back and loving people. So the question is, how do we embrace being whole and distinctive? Um, so we often talk about being different, and uh, we often talk about being different as like a negative thing. So, um, you know, me at school, I may have been a little bit different. I like doing music. I like doing uh, performing arts. Uh, I liked English. I like doing all of those things. So for me, playing football wasn't really the biggest thing to do. You know, like my school was definitely a football school. At lunchtime, you went and played football. And I wouldn't. I'd be going, um, hitting some drums in band practice at lunchtime when everyone else is like smashing in goals. Because I was a little bit different. But that's not being distinct. What we like and the, the things that we do, they make us different. But they don't make us distinct. James writes this passage um, that's particularly uh, kind of inflammatory. He's talking about these fights and quarrels among you. Um, you know, the battles that happen within you because of the desires of your heart. And um, he says we ask God for things, but we don't ask God for the right things. You know, did you know there was a way to ask for the right things? And he calls us adulterous people. And you can totally imagine the editor's letter. You know, if, if James was printing a, uh, publishing a book um, in the 21st century, you can totally imagine this letter coming from the editor. Dear James, um, love the work so far. It's top. Really, really good. Really concise. We've been struggling with that in some of the other books we've been publishing recently. Really concise. I've just got a little bit of a problem with some of your language. Do we really want to be calling these guys adulterous people? That's exactly the point. That's exactly what James is trying to do. He wants us to be shocked as we read it because what he's talking about is serious. Um, you know, we, you know, he's talking about our selfish desires, you know, the, the sin of our lives. This is not a, a, you know, a, a simple thing. It's really important, and it needs to be addressed. You know, sin's not this kind of, like, sliding scale. You know, you think, oh, I don't know, I'm not that, I'm not that bad. You know, they're worse than me. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is not that bad. That's not how it works. You know, sin is a cliff edge. You know, we fall into sin, and it, it can consume us. So we shouldn't be trying to get as close as possible to the cliff edge. We need to run as far away from that cliff edge as possible. Our relationship with God is so fulfilling. You know, but we ask the God who loves us to replace it with other things. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about, um, you know, if you hate someone, you've murdered them in your heart you lust after someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. Because of that thing, it's a cliff edge. It's not, it's not to be um, taken lightly. You need to address these things in their smallest, um, their smallest form. 
So when we ask God for things in our lives, you know, the problem is that it might not be that explicit. We probably don't ask for things in that way. You know, we probably don't pray for horrible things to happen to other people. But it's about what our heart is really thinking. God knows our hearts, and he knows what our hearts desire. You know, do we want to find fulfillment in relationships or wealth, fame or, or family security, possessions or status? You know, these are the things that the world thinks will fill that brokenness. But we know that we can be distinct by being fulfilled uh, in our relationship with God. I've got a friend um, who um, went off to university, went to um, LSE. If you know anything about LSE, you know, they work really hard. Um, not quite like my uni experience, maybe. I maybe should have worked harder, but, you know, they work really hard. They turn up to work. Um, and it's, it's the pressured environment. And she really struggled in that, really had problems with depression, the, all of the, um, the pressure of having to do well. She was studying law, and you know, the next step from that is to try and get into like a graduate program to try and um, work for one of these amazing law firms. And she got into a program, and they said, oh, yeah, you'll, you'll experience the whole, um, the whole company. You'll move between all these different, um, these different roles, and um, you'll get so much experience. And you know, she had a tough time in uni, but now she was in the thing that mattered. She was in that job that mattered. She carried on, and it was still tough and horrible, and she worked really hard. And again, just feeling lonely and depressed. It's great now that she's not in that job. She's, she's left that role. But so much importance was put on the financial security of being in that role, the ambition of her career. But what she needed was to be filled, fulfilled by God, be in relationship with God. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same. How much do I ask for things? I work in um, advertising, and, you know, you, do, you pitch ideas to clients. And, you know, sometimes you get nervous before a pitch. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I pray for prayer. I say, God, you know, you know, bring, you know bring me peace in this situation. You know, um, I really want this to go well. It's going to be really important for my job, and um, it's going to be a really great project to do. That's not bad in itself. It's great to bring God into what we're doing. But, but why am I asking God um, to be involved? Is it that I want God to be involved so that I can show him to people through this project, so that I can be distinct? You know, in, in advertising, um, in kind of that creative world, you know, it's, it's easy to join in um, with you know, people swearing every other sentence. It's kind of a key one that I was thinking about this week. It's easy for me to join in with a kind of a culture that promotes that. But can I be distinct from that? Is it obvious that I'm different? So with this pitch that I'm doing, am I inviting God in so that this project can be something that his glory shines through? Or is it just another thing that I'm doing? That's kind of um, you know, a challenge to myself. And, you know, you might ask, well, I know God. I know that he loves me. I know that Jesus has sacrificed himself for me. I know that I'm redeemed because, uh, and, and I need to be redeemed because of my selfishness. And yes, you're right, you know, God's grace is enough. But in Romans, you know, it says we're not just meant to keep on sinning. We're meant to make a change. We're meant to become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we're transformed filled up and become whole in God, we're truly transformed 
And with Jesus at our core, we become more distinctive. You know, when you do these things, when your heart longs for something else as you pray for more of God, God is jealous. He wants the spirit within you to be alive and on fire for him. You know, not made fuzzy and kind of not, not to be vague in this world. We're not called to be vague. We're called to be distinct. I don't know if you're like me, but do you ever get asked that question now? What are you, what are you up to this weekend? I was asked that question this week, and I sidestepped it massively. Um, the, probably the only thing I've been thinking about this week is, oh, I've got to talk at church. Oh, I need to prepare. You know, that's probably, the, I've been at the forefront of my mind all week. And, you know, someone asked me, oh, what are you up to? And I looked at my, I looked at my calendar, because I can't even remember what I'm doing tomorrow. But I looked at my calendar and, you know, really hoping there'd be something in there that wasn't the sermon that I could be like, oh, I'm doing this. And then I blank, you know, yesterday I, I, I did nothing. I just relaxed. And <laughs> I basically just said that. Just said, oh, no, nothing. I'm just relaxing. And, you know, they said what they were doing. I just sidestepped that question. And it's not that we should feel bad about those situations, but, you know, how can we be distinct in the small situations? How can we say, hey, yeah, I'm going to church this Sunday? Just something simple like that. You know, another one is, uh, I experience is, you know, the way we talk about clients. You know, sometimes you've got a difficult client. Um, I don't understand the creativity of this brief that you've been working on. You know, we working on an ad campaign. It's like, oh, this is so creative. This is the best thing. And the client's like, nah, I don't like it. And you think, oh, they're rubbish. And, you know, we get into these conversations kind of away from them you know, where we say bad stuff. And it's probably not, it's not that bad. It's not, it's not like we're, you know, we're just, we're getting upset. But is that how I should be speaking about somebody as a Christian? Am I being distinct in that? Do we aspire to fit in or do we aspire to be distinctive? They're both linked. The more full of God we become, the more distinctive we will be in this world. You know, we were sharing a little bit about, um, you know, those, those Jewish people in that early Christian church. And, you know, they would have, like, physical things that would make, that make them look different. You know, we see um, Jewish people um, around in London or Bangladeshi people, you know, we see around, you know, and, you know, you physically can see that there's something different if they're wearing a burqa or some other outfit. You know, you know. Now, we don't wear those things, but surely our heart should be showing that. We need to be really showing that God is, with, um, is within us. And how can we do that? If we're living truly with God completely filling us up, we'll be distinctive without even trying, without having to wear something to show that we're different. We'll look set apart just from the way we are. Um, luckily, you know, <laughs> God is amazing. God's grace is always enough. Um, and do you know what? There is, there is a place we can go. It starts with recognizing you know, when we haven't been distinctive in all those situations. And hopefully, maybe you've thought of a few yourselves um, you know, as I've been speaking. You know, the reason we're not being distinctive is probably because we're not whole. We're not letting Jesus transform us. James is practical. He gives us practical steps to do. James doesn't want those little things to sit in our hearts. He wants us to realize our foolishness, to stop asking for more of the world, and to ask for more of God. God gives us more grace, verse 6. He allows us back. He says, humble ourselves. 
Stop being arrogant. You know, stop defending yourself. Stop being like me and saying, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. I'm too tired. Don't defend, you know, being, being prideful or, you know, your position of status. And, you know, don't defend that. Recognize when it's just you and not God and humble yourself. You know, there's this section where he's talking about um, you know, making your laughter go to, uh, you know, gloom and, you know, the joy go to, you know, sadness. It's not God doesn't want us to be really sad. It's not that. But don't let that prideful laughter be the thing that rules you. If you spot that, you need to bring that down. You need to be broken before the Lord, and you need to give it to him. It is a tough message. It's a challenge to examine our hearts that closely. And when we find something, to do something about it. Even the smallest thing, break it down. Give it to God. Humble ourselves completely. Because when we do, God will lift us up. He'll embrace us. And he will draw in again as we draw near to him. In a minute, I'm just going to um, play a song. And it talks about being broken. It talks about being saved. As that's playing, um, just think, maybe just think of the times where you haven't been distinctive. You know, where you've where you've maybe sidestepped something. Think about those times this week and give them to God. I'm just going to play this song now and, um, you know, as we come and have communion together, leave those things, you know, at the Lord's table. Give them to God. Examine them, you know, bring them to mind. Say sorry to God. Give them to him and be filled again with God so that you can go out and be distinctive. I'm blinded by your grace. I'm blinded by your grace, by your grace. I'm blinded by your grace. I'm blinded by your Lord, I've been broken. Although I'm not worthy, you fix me. I'm blinded by your grace. You came and saved me. Lord, I've been broken. Although I'm not worthy, you fix me. Now I'm blinded by your grace. You came and saved me. One time for the Lord, and one time for the cause. And one round of applause, one time for Fraser T. Smith from the courts. One. I stay prayed up, then I get the job done. Yeah, I'm Abigail's youth, but I'm God's son. But I'm up now, look at what God's done. No, I'm real tall, look at what God did. On the main stage, running around topless. I phone flips, then I tell him that we got this. This is God's plan, they can never stop this. Like, wait right there, could you stop my verse? You saved this kid and I'm not your first. It's not by blood and it's not by birth. But oh my God, what a God I serve. You know, we're God's son, we're God's daughter. You know, you saved this kid and I'm not your first. 
you know, what a God that we serve. You know, that's, and that's the greatest thing, is that, you know, we do mess up all the time, but God is always there to welcome us back in. His grace um, continues. And, and if, if you don't know that grace, we would love for you to know him. God really wants to, you know, transform your life. Let's pray now as we've maybe brought some of those lyrics to mind or some of those times in our lives when we you know, haven't been distinctive. Let's draw near to God now so that his spirit can draw near to us. Let's pray. Lord God, we um, just want to draw near to you now, Lord. Lord, as we share communion together, Lord, as we come to your table, as we share and remember your sacrifice for us, Lord. We just want to put all of those times where we haven't been distinctive, Lord. We want to just put them on your table and say, sorry, Lord. Lord, fill us and make us whole so that you are so obviously a part of our life. It's so obvious that we're different. We're distinct. We're set apart. Amen.